0: Hey folks, do you own firearms? I do. Did you know that there's an easy way for you to let everyone around you quickly see whether your firearm is loaded or unloaded? Meet muzzle stick, barrel, and chamber flags. Muzzle stick, chamber, and barrel flags offer a way for anyone, whether they handle firearms or not, to quickly see the loaded or unloaded status of a firearm. That could save lives. Are you one of nearly 80% of firearms owners that keep a loaded gun out of the safe for personal protection? Well... Taking an extra precaution by using Muzzlestick's big bright barrel and chamber flags will let everyone around you know if the firearm is loaded or unloaded. Muzzlestick does not recommend keeping a loaded firearm outside of a gun safe, but the reality is that some people do. And a clearly marked gun's status communicates to others around that may not have firearm handling experience and it is something that they would not want to handle. Muzzlestick is not intended to replace the rules of firearm safety, however, Their chamber and barrel flags do offer firearms rapid, clear identification, and that could save lives. It's time for you to do everything you can to be a safe and responsible firearms owner. Head over to muzzlestick, M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K, dot com to place your order. One more time, that's muzzlestick, M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K, dot com. After all, we only have one life to live. Hello, America, and welcome to the Friday edition of John Solomon Reports, where we're still taking stock of the third indictment issued by John Durham. I've been predicting for some time there would be indictments. A lot of people had lost faith and started to suggest that maybe the Durham investigation was a folly, a dead end, a dry hole. But he continues to develop criminal cases using a grand jury, subpoenas, and yesterday... He indicted, as we mentioned in the breaking news section of our podcast yesterday, the central source, the primary source for Christopher Steele's now completely discredited dossier. And there's a lot of detail. It's a 39-page indictment. It's more than just an indictment. It is a storytelling vehicle of just how much the Russia collusion case was contrived and conceived and pushed by people close to Hillary Clinton, we we learned yesterday that a PR executive that had been around the Clintons for two decades was an advisor to a campaign, a volunteer to a 2016 campaign an appointee under Bill Clinton, that he is the guy that's working with the primary subsource to develop elements that are then put into the dossier, Igor Danchenko, and Igor Danchenko lies to the FBI, according to Durham, and doesn't tell him that he worked with this PR executive, deeply tied to Hillary and Bill Clinton. This was a dirty trick by Hillary and Bill Clinton, and everybody knew it, and when I say everybody knew it, by July of 2016, which is before the dossier has really penetrated the FBI, President Obama was told by his own CIA director, John Brennan, that there was an intercept suggesting that Hillary Clinton was concocting a Russia story to damage Donald Trump and to get the attention off her problems from the FBI investigation into her private email account. That means everyone should have been on alert. and Instead of being on alert, it's as though the FBI let itself be bamboozled. You look at how easy it was for John Durham to figure out that the subsources sources weren't accurate or that Danchenko was lying or that Christopher Steele was penetrated by Russian disinformation. And the FBI seems to be clueless. They're continuing to go back to the court banting about something saying, hey, we got to look at this advisor, Carter Page. He might be the key to the collusion. And the CIA saying, wait a second, Carter Page is our guy. Oh, no court. We got to go. They don't tell the court. They keep spying on the Trump apparatus for a whole year. And I think now the question becomes, Was the FBI duped? Were they just that bad that they didn't see what was in their headlights, obviously? Or was there something more nefarious? They wanted this to happen regardless of whether it was true. I think that's the last part of the Durham investigation, the last focus of the criminal investigation. What was the motive? We now know for sure that what the FISAs were predicated on were not true. The FISA was predicated on false information. Now, I have a new story up today. You know, people say, Oh, I've heard this. I know, uh, Steele was bad. You've done a great job on this, John. Know it. What's, what's the consequence? What's the difference? There is a new development that goes with the Danchenko indictment. It actually doesn't occur on the criminal side. All right, so on the criminal side, John Durham says that Danchenko lied five times to the FBI, and that concealed those lies concealed where he was getting his information from, people close to Hillary Clinton, and problems with the sourcing of information and the contriving of information. In one case, Danchenko claims, remarkably claims, that he had a conversation and was working with the American-Russian Chamber of Commerce person up in New York. They never had any contact. He contrived that entire conversation and makes it a subsource element of the Steele dossier. The Steele dossier is a mess. Danchenko is a liar according to the, the indictment. Again, he deserves the benefit of doubt until he has his jury trial, but you know, the, the indictment has some pretty compelling evidence. But while that's going on in criminal court, there's a little notice Civil case going on involving Alpha Bank, a Russian bank that is suing for damages against people like Glenn Simpson, Fusion GPS, people like that, Bean LLC, the parent company of Fusion GPS. So let's take these players. Fusion GPS is the contractor for Hillary Clinton and her law firm, Perkins Cooey. Fusion GPS hires Christopher Steele to be the dossier writer. And then Christopher Steele hires or uses Igor Danchenko as a primary source, is Russia guy getting the dirt on the ground. And we now know that in all three cases, each of those three players provided inaccurate, uncorroborable, or outright false information, Russian disinformation, in some cases. All right, so all that is known. Now, here's what we now know. It took just a few civil lawyers Now, remember, the FBI has all of these resources. The Intelligence community has all these resources. A couple of civil lawyers go to Russia, and they go and interview the Russian citizens who are Danchenko's subsources. The people that Danchenko said gave him the information that he then gives to Steele. Steele gives it the fusion. Steele also gives it to the FBI, and the criminal case is born, even though it was a criminal case based on lies, right? A house of lies. But... Each of those five Russians, the people that say, I believe I am Subsource 2 based on the description of the information in the dossier, each of them give a statement to Alpha Bank's lawyers, a declaration they call them, saying, I didn't agree to be a subsource. I didn't provide the information. That's a lie. Some of them say they feel like it was a fraud that they were using it. One of them says that Danchenko later comes back to him and apologizes for misusing his name and pretending that he had provided information to think. So we have Danchenko disowning what Steele writes. Now we have the people who are Danchenko sources disowning what Danchenko says he was told by them. Nothing, nothing that the FBI used to justify its FISA warrants is true. The entire story is a house of lies, a web of lies, according to these court documents. These are things in federal court, you can look at them. I stacked them all up on our website so you can read them yourself. But what an extraordinary thing. It wasn't just a dirty trick. It wasn't just bad investigative work by the FBI. It was an operation built on lies, and in some cases, lies in which Hillary Clinton's operators, Danchenko working for Steele, working for Fusion, working for the Clinton campaign's law firm, were engaging with Russians to create disinformation. All right, so maybe now this flips around. There was collusion. It just wasn't Donald Trump. It was Hillary Clinton's apparatus that was colluding with Russians to mislead the country and deceive a nation during an election and in the first couple of years of a new presidency. That is what we have found. That is what you want to be able to understand and take a look at. If you want to see the underlying documents, don't take my word for it. All of them are posted in my story today on justthenews.com. Go check them out. All right, we've got an incredible show for you. First up is Corey Mills, an extraordinary talent running for Congress right now, but a former Army Ranger, somebody who helped affect rescues in Afghanistan after the fall of Afghanistan, after the bungled withdrawal from Joe Biden. He has an extraordinary interview. He's going to tell you something pretty amazing. He believes that there are Americans who were killed in the bombing that weren't the Marines. And we know the 13 troops and Marines that were killed in the blast, remember, one of the final days of American presence on Afghan soil. He believes there may have been American civilians killed that day. He's going to explain why and how in the interview coming up in a little bit. And he's also going to talk about the long-lasting effects of the failed Afghan withdrawal. And then we're going to bring on my good friend, Philip Patrick, from our partner, Birch Gold Group. They're one of our advertisers, one of our supporters. Every month we bring Philip on, he has been spot on. I mean, right to the millimeter of precision of a GPS coordinate on all the things that were going to happen in our economy. We're going to ask them about the Democrats trying to push through this bill and we're going to give you some insights on where we think the United States economy and the global economy may be headed. Some scary things that China's been doing in the last couple days suggesting that Beijing believes we're headed for a real serious economic crisis. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, first up, Corey Mills, you're going to want to hear this interview. An American Herald Bronze Star winner a great soldier. You're going to want to hear what he has to say about Afghanistan right after this commercial break. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year and then the inflation data came out friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining You're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates. One of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, very first time on this show, an American hero, a man who now wants to extend his public service into politics and and potentially representing Florida, his Florida colleagues in uh, the United States House. Joining us right now is a former U.S. Army combat veteran, a Bronze Star winner, an all around American hero, Corey Mills. Corey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, John. I really appreciate it. Your bio is amazing when people look at it and you go, wow, every time we hear people talk down America, when you hear the story of a Corey Mills, you go, you know what? We're still darn good. We're, we're still the greatest country in the world. And I think you inspire a lot of people with your courage and your selfless you know, contributions to your country. You're now on a new mission, and that is to flip one of the blue seats, red in 2022, the Stephanie Murphy seat in Central Florida. What messages do you take away from last night's election?
1: Well, I'll tell you. So the main thing that I take away from this is that people are focusing more on these kitchen table issues. And last night, what it demonstrated is that the parents won. You know, they've been trying to ensure that we didn't have any parental right. They were trying to force vaccinations. They were trying to push critical race theory, the 1619 Project, to indoctrinate our children. And last night, parents and Americans stepped up and said, that's enough. That's really what I took away from that. You know, this has been a continuation of the Biden administration, which I call the Obama 2.0 model, to continue to make the America last agenda. If you look at what they're doing, I mean, they're trying to offer $450,000 to individuals who are separated, who are illegally and violating our laws. But that's again, amazing, That's right? only double what we pay gold star mothers and gold star wives and gold star husbands whose, you know, family perishes overseas in service to our country. I mean, it's absurd what the Democrats are actually doing right now. I mean, they've gone from, you know, just standard kind of, you know, blue dog Democrat policies to complete socialist Marxist America last policies. And guess what? America's had enough.
0: Yeah, that really was the message. Enough is enough last night. And I think on every lift, you know, you look at the exit polls, I dug into the exit polls and on every leftward drift in America the last nine months. Uh, extremism in schools, defunding the police, which you've been an extraordinary voice uh, against, Um, uh, the economy, uh, uh, too big a government, too big a taxes, New Jersey driven by the property tax uh, issue that most mainstream uh, media missed. Americans said, we're gone too far left, we're self-correcting, we're pulling back. Uh, That has to set up a race between you and Stephanie Murphy really well, right? There is a momentum towards the type of America you embrace and the type that Stephanie can embrace because she's a member of a party that has a very different vision. How is that going to play out over the next few months?
1: Well, I'll tell you, the first thing that people need to look at is her voting record. She calls herself a moderate. She continues to be viewed by those who don't know her voting record as moderate, but she votes 94% with Rashida Tlaib, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Pressley, and 99% with Nancy Pelosi. That doesn't sound like a blue dog moderate to me. That sounds like someone who's on the socialist agenda. Not to mention the fact that she's never run against a candidate like myself. We have 6.5% of our district which is made up of military veterans, people who know what it is to truly serve. I have actually been there on the ground the same as they have. I have gone through their schools. I have sat and chewed sand just like everyone else. And I'll tell you something. The oath that we took to defend our Constitution and defend this nation against all enemies born and domestic, that doesn't expire just because you take off that uniform. So I'll tell you, the thing that I'm running on is obviously her voting record, the fact that she pushes late-term abortion, which she's all in favor for. And watch, she'll vote for this extreme Green New Deal infrastructure bill she claims that she won't support, but she knows the writing's on the wall. She's tried to run away and run for a Senate seat because it's less likely that she would be able to you know, maintain her seat here and losing as an incumbent would certainly right. hurt her political career. So she's continued to try to run away from this race. And I'll tell you, I won't be shocked if she actually finds a way out before the actual race takes, takes place.
0: Wow. Well, that would be a big moment. And it would be the ultimate statement that the Democratic Party has taken these seats out of contention. Uh, with its agenda. And uh, it's hard to imagine. It's only been 11 months in power, but the repercussions are, are, are widespread. When when Joe Biden was elected, I think a lot of people thought they were electing a guy who was nicer, would have fewer mean tweets, and maybe be a little bit more competent. And Afghanistan happened, and it completely destroyed this concept that it, there was any competence in the Biden administration. Uh, you... Uh, have done something that very few people have the courage to do. You went in Afghanistan as a private citizen, as a former uh, member of the armed services, and you rescued some people. Tell us the story of what happened right after Afghanistan fell and what you did to make sure that somebody uh, that shouldn't have been left behind wasn't left behind.
1: Well, as I tell people all the time, I'm not a politician. I never will be a politician. A representative, a statesman, absolutely. But politicians spend too much of their time talking and not acting. And I've always said that if I ever step into the public service again, that I would make sure I'm always a person of action. Ronnie Jackson, Congressman Jackson, and Congressman Mullen yep. contacted me and told me that they had been reaching out to the State Department and DOD to help this mother, who's an American born in, you know, right there in Amarillo, Texas, and her three children, to get out of Afghanistan. That she had went over there to visit her father or grandfather who was ill and got stuck over there. And the reason she was stuck, by the way, I just want to make this is a point is because we gave up Bagram Air Base, which could have housed 40,000 people and had more runways than HKIA. And we took over HKIA, which meant that it grounded every one of the international flights, whether it was Emirates Airlines, whether it was Cam Air Airlines, whether it was Ariana Airlines. So anyone who had a ticket no longer could get out unless it's just through the American airlift. So they went back and forth trying to get support from DOS and DOD. To no avail, they got nothing. At that stage, they called me and asked if I could do anything, and I told them I'd be willing to step up. I spent seven years in Iraq, I spent over three years in Afghanistan, I quickly assembled a team that enabled us to uh, put together concept operations, and we went in there as, and, and conducted the very first successful overland rescue of Americans since the fall of Afghanistan, rescuing a mother and her three children, getting them back to Amarillo, Texas.
0: Amazing. Probably not a lot of logistical support or help from the Biden administration, right? You did this all on your own Be at right. your own risk, right?
1: zero support at our own cost on our own time we didn't try and, and and solicit any funds for this we didn't get any support from the Biden administration in fact the department of state thwarted our efforts twice and on one stage when we to go land which we already had an approved ppr they threatened to actually like they scrambled on f-16 to fly over the top of our aircraft to try and intimidate us jeez
0: wow there's a there's an anecdote that needs to be told that's just crazy. It's just crazy the way I've heard so many of these from people who well, did. not I'll
1: tell you I'll tell you the worst part about it, John. To go a step further, you know how after the Abbey Gate explosion they tried to claim 13 US service members were killed and 160 Afghans. Right. While that's true that 13 brave service members paid the ultimate, you know, sacrifice, what they're not telling you is is that there was Americans outside that Abbey Gate as well. There was blue passport holders I know one, which was a mother and her two-year-old son who was told to go to the Abbey Gate. That was where they were going to let him in, and they didn't allow all of them to go in. And there was a gaggle of people outside when that Abbey Gate explosion went off. So I'll tell you right now, whether it's a cover-up or whether it's ineptitude, there was other Americans, blue passport holders outside that gate who also perished. And no one's covering that. And no one has a story on it.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to dig in right now. I did not know that, and we do intend to find that out. So we're going we're to go into action. That's a good tip for us to follow, uh, Corey, important one. You know, you, I, I think very early on when other Republicans and others were still struggling to maybe uh, figure out how do we talk about race, uh, we talk about police and security in the aftermath of the George Floyd, you immediately stepped into that void and said, listen, defunding the police is just not common sense. You don't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know this is not going to end well. And of course, just like you predicted, uh, those communities that, that shrunk their police departments as punishment they ended up inflicting extraordinary new waves of violent crime. And last night, the Black Lives Matter boomerang, I think, came all the way through the debate, right? You see in uh, a law and order candidate, a former uh, police captain in New York elected, the top two uh, finalists for the Atlanta mayor. Both are people who want to grow the department. Minneapolis uh, outright uh, says we're not getting rid of our police department, despite Elon Almar's ideas. Um Why is this issue, uh, how did this issue boomerang so quickly and what message should anyone running in 2022 take from it?
1: Well, I'll tell you, I wrote so many different articles on this to include one that was very direct. Want more crime? Defund the police. That was actually the headline of it. Bottom line is that you want to increase criminality, then go ahead and incentivize criminals by saying that we don't have as many law enforcement officers outside to be able to do their job. Or go ahead and do one further, which is that, oh, well, if they're actually only doing a crime committed up to this amount, uh, we can't go ahead and prosecute. Uh, Bottom line, we're actually just hurting ourselves, and the communities are feeling the pain here. We're not D.C. We're not sitting in the swamp in the Beltway with a huge wall around the Capitol protecting us with a ton of police surrounding us. And think about the hypocrisy of that. The very people who wants to defund the police in your communities and put you more at risk and increase criminality – are the same people who are demanding more patrollers and more people at the Capitol and more security at the Capitol to protect them. They're sending a very clear message to all Americans, which is that their lives matter and yours don't. Well, the American people has a voice. And every time they do this and they come forward and they vote these people out who are for these radical ideas, it sends a message to DC that the American people will not take this any longer. And we have to be not the one that defunds our police, We have to be the one that defends our police. Bear in mind, they're called law enforcement officers. They're enforcing the law. They're not responsible for the legislation that's being put out. That's your elected officials. If you've got a problem with a law or you've got a problem with something that these men and women are bravely trying to enforce, then take it up with your legislators. Go take it to the ballot boxes because it's not the brave men and women in blue who are actually responsible for the laws that are being passed.
0: It is um, such an extraordinary moment when, you know, we go one direction for a couple weeks and then gravity pulls that pendulum back. And I think last night's election pulled that gravity back, whether it's schools, the economy, uh, law and order, uh, Americans got common sense and pulled these things back in. One place that uh, can't Absolutely. be repaired instantly with an election is the damage that's done to the world standing of America. And you've been very articulate, and I think this is going to probably become one of the more important themes in your election in Florida. Uh, we have really harmed our standing on the world stage with not only the bungled Afghan withdrawal, but the kowtowing to China, the in, in uh, incomprehensible or sometimes contradictory messages we send to our allies and to our enemies how uh, much, in your mind, has America standing on the world stage changed in the last 11 months since Joe Biden took the keys of the White House?
1: Well, it's changed tremendously. Our adversary is no longer fierce. Our allies no longer respect us. You know, when President Trump was in office, China was held to an agreement. The China phase one deal that allowed our agriculture and farming sector to boom back. We right. held them accountable for the trade imbalances. We held Iran accountable. We had them completely at bay to the point where... When they tried to fire retaliatory missiles, they called the president to let him know first because they didn't want him to think that it was actual a measure of war. This is where our adversaries were. This is where President Trump went forward and built the Abrams Accord, which was building an actual Arab coalition to help fight against Iran to get us out of these endless wars but not leave a vacuum. He put in place a a measured and metrics-based, you know, withdrawal that was conditions-based by the Taliban saying certain things that the Biden administration ignored and basically looked at political optics on. And in a result of that, they left Americans behind and numerous people are being hunted down and murdered to this day. When you look at what China's been able to achieve and Russia's been able to achieve, look at what the Democrats used to say. They used to talk about Trump was Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, what was one of the Joe Biden's first things he did? He killed the Keystone XL pipeline, 10,000-plus jobs, lost our oil independency that we had where we were making enough oil plus for ourselves for the first time, and then gave Russia, who's a sanctioned nation, their own pipeline. So now we're, at, we're beholden to OPEC. You've got China, who has been completely uh, um, emboldened in every single way. They're even threatening Taiwan at this point. And, oh, by the way, China now has a bigger navy than the U.S. And, oh, yes, they have moved into the China you know, seas. And, yes, they have actually just taken over Pagram Air Base that we acquiesced and $1.3 trillion and free lithium to make batteries for the electric cars. So we have continued to allow the great superpower resurgence of China and Russia and Iran to blow up in an 11-month time frame to the, the size I've never seen before. I mean you have, you have nuclear enrichment programs up to 60 to 70% now in Iran. You've got Russia going back into Ukraine. Remember, it was the Obama and Biden administration who refused to give lethal aid to Ukraine to be able to defend their own borders. They allowed Russia to take Crimea. They allowed Russia to take Donetsk, Lugansk, Mariupol. So our allies don't trust us to stay in the fight. And I can tell you something. If you're a country like Iraq or you're a country like Afghanistan or or you're Taiwan, I wouldn't be looking towards the United States to be able to help support or save Or do anything, because right now what we're showing us is that we won't be there for you when when we need you. And our adversaries, when they go to launch attacks and they do things, we're going to turn a blind eye to it. That's what the Biden administration sets the tone for on the world stage and why we're not respected right now.
0: Yeah. And that is going to be a powerful political issue. I mean, that, a lot of people have been uh, comparing the Biden administration to Jimmy Carter. Some people say that's an insult to Jimmy Carter. I don't know where people fall on that yet. I guess we'll watch some more history. Well, but... Jimmy
1: Carter, for the first time, is saying, thank God I'm not the worst president in history.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He got vindication at the end of his life. Who knew that Joe Biden could pull that off? But I think, you know, a lot of times uh, geopolitical issues are, you know, a secondary or tertiary issue in American Mm -hmm. politics because we always worry about the pocketbook. And, of course, we are worried about our kids at school. But it seems to me that people have this uh, third sense or sixth sense now that we're, uh, we're slipping in a way we've never slipped before. Our generals don't seem to be as sharp. They seem to be woke. Our military seems to be less superior than it was a few years ago. And our allies laugh us off and our enemies don't seem to fear us. Will you use that in the election? How do you use that against someone like a Stephanie Murphy, who by the way, has never run against someone who was, you know, a, a veteran,
1: Well, I'll tell you, the first thing that we have to understand is that domestic and foreign policy is now intrinsically linked. It is almost impossible to take the two apart. You know, you can talk about things like our southern border, as an example, which has 1.7 million people who's come across, scheduled for over 2 million people to come into our nation, which, by the way, they're not being PCR tested. They're not getting COVID shots. They're coming in, collecting a free check and being sent to red states. And guess what? They're going to try and do everything they can. To vote in our elections, can't stop the American voice. But you know what they're not telling you. They're not telling you about the four Yemeni males who were on the FBI terrorist watch right. list who got caught crossing our borders. They're not telling you about the Pakistan and Chinese that are crossing into our border. And this is a national security threat, not just a humanitarian and a health crisis, but an actual national security threat. You know they're not talking to you about the fact that us giving Russia, which is on an international policy scale, their own pipeline and denying ourselves is going to hurt us domestically. They're not talking about the fact that we have rapid high inflation, which, guess what, is going to impact every single blue-collar American across, you know, across the country. You know They're not talking about utilizing CRT to be able to go ahead and divide, not build a cohesive military, but divide our military. We have military special operations, uh, top-tier elite one operators who are leaving the military right now because they refuse to get the vaccine. That further weakens us as a nation. That means that our actual rapid response time has been reduced significantly. That means we don't have the number of teams that we once had. When you start talking about a twenty and thirty percent reduction on the SEAL community, or in any of our you know SFOD Delta units, or you know the squadrons, or any of the actual uh, tier two elements, I mean, this is what the Biden administration is doing. So the foreign policy stuff, our national security stuff, is coming to the forefront. That's now becoming a kitchen table issue. Yes. Our economy is suffering. Yes, inflation is going through the roof. Yes, they are indoctrinating our children and trying to use a totalitarian system. But let's not also forget that they're weakening us to the actual wolves who are sitting at bay outside of our walls right now, waiting to come in as we continue to tear ourselves apart inside.
0: Yeah. And meanwhile, they built a wall around the vice president's beach mansion, just not one at the border. It's pretty remarkable. They won't
1: build a wall on our border. Again, like I said. This Democrat party says it very clearly to you through their actions. Our safety, our lives matter, and yours don't. That's the message you're continuing to send to the American people.
0: Good for thee, but not for me. I keep hearing that from a lot of real people, you know, it's in everyday world, and they get it. I mean, they see the hypocrisy, and I think last night was the throw down the gauntlet moment that we're not gonna take it anymore. I think that's the message. Uh, Corey, how do people follow what you're doing if they want to get involved in your race or, or all of the great you know, political uh, work you're doing? How can they stay in touch with you uh, over the next year?
1: Thank you so much. So they can definitely follow our, uh, our campaign website, which is uh, wwwmills 4 floridacom And you can also follow me on Twitter at Corey Mills I post a lot of things on foreign policy. I've got a lot of our media hits on there, yeah. as well as for the fact that we are now the most Republican, you know, uh, a conservative endorsed candidate in
0: the country right now. It's a pretty remarkable achievement there, Keevan. We're uh, almost a year away from that election. So you got momentum building now. I want to thank you so much, first, for your service to our country. You are one of those genuine American heroes that just went out there and did what was right for their country. And we're grateful for that and uh, also for coming thank on the show know. today and bringing us up to speed on what's going to be, this is going to be one of the barn burner races. There's no doubt about it. My pleasure.
1: Well, we're going to take it home. We're going to keep America red, and we're going to go ahead and save America. That, that's what this is really about. That's why I came to this race was to save America. Yeah,
0: well, uh, I think people understand why when they hear you talk and they see your bio. So, congratulations, and we'll get you back on the show in a few months because we are uh, we're, we're really interested. Thank you so much. I'd love to. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got more remarkable guests just ahead. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. and its title. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why TitleLock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge a signature on a home sale form, then he or she refiles as the new owner, and bam, your home is not in your name, and all of a sudden debts are being taken out against it. That's why Home Title Lock is my choice. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at sign-up. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to hometitlelock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at hometitlelock.com. Go there today. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And well, I'm really excited. We have Philip Patrick on every month. We enjoy this. We dig into the economy. We learn something. We get smarter for the future so that we make good investments. We protect our retirement. It's one of my favorite segments to do each month. So without much more introduction, welcome my good friend, Philip Patrick, a precious metal specialist at our partner, Birch Gold Group. Philip, great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Well, every month, I can say this, uh, what you predicted in the month before happens. It keeps happening. And and as you predicted just a little bit, uh, I think it was last month or the month before, the Fed was going to start to tighten up, take those interest rates up because it was one of the few ways to deal with it. And so everything is going on exactly as you warned us. And I think now when you talk to people, people want to know in broad strokes, what is going on with the Biden budget, that big amount of money that they're talking about spending? How is this going to change the economic picture?
2: Look, it's hard to stay on top of uh, a lot of the the, the nonsense, right? There simply doesn't appear to be a clear plan in place. What we're seeing from the Democrats at the moment is just one bad idea after another being floated. They get shot down and, and sure enough, another one comes flying out at this point the Democrats are facing serious resistance, not only from Republicans, but from within their own party as well. And and it's all on the back of this just massive spending, right? Joe Manchin, uh, standing firm in the Democratic Party, he summarized i think the issue very well he said the negotiation was full of shell games and budget gimmicks he said the real cost of the bill was probably twice the amount being touted Uh, and again and, and this is a quote he said this bill was a recipe for economic crisis the friction that we're seeing it bodes well for the up and coming elections but the question is how much damage can be done in the meantime it's a real mess
0: yeah, it really is. And I think a lot of people look at it and they say, well, listen, is this pure chaos? Is it a lack of strategy? Is it a failure of leadership? Or is there something more nefarious going on? When you look at it, what's underlying all of this chaos that we see in public?
2: Well, look, I mean, the one thing we can say is it's certainly a failure of leadership. There's no question about that. The Dems, it appears, have no idea what they're doing. They've managed to put together a series of half-baked ways to try and pay for this that clearly won't work. And the rhetoric that's coming out, and for me, this is concerning, it's just nonsensical, right? We're saying, you know, a $3.5 trillion spending package, it's really going to cost zero. We're saying (laughs) pumping $3.5 trillion through the economy, it's going to lower inflation, right? You know some people are saying, is this stupidity coming out of the White House? Quite honestly, I'm struggling with that, right? Nobody doesn't understand these basic principles. It appears that there's deliberate gaslighting coming out of the the Democratic Party these days. But there's a test for them, right? We're running into the debt ceiling again. And this is an opportunity, I think, for Biden to prove just how determined he is to bankrupt the nation, right? The Dems have had the power since August to try and fix this via budget reconciliation, but they've been refusing to do so. I don't think they want to carry this burden alone. So it's a real mess and certainly a failure of leadership.
0: Yeah, it is remarkable. We had elections on Tuesday. Obviously, the uh, country sent a large message, whether it was Virginia or in the local races, that they're not happy with the direction of the country. Do you think Democrats picked up any signals from that, or are they just doubling down on where they were before Election Day?
2: Look, it appears just doubling down. I mean, look, they're they're saying now that they really don't want to count the bill, right? Let's not really look at the details. They're trying to force this through. And and like I said, it feels like gaslighting, right? Everyone's worried about inflation. What are they saying? Don't worry. It's transitory. Just ignore it. You know, everyone's worried about this spending bill. Like I said, don't worry. It's not going to cost anything. There is gaslighting coming. And the question is, why? What's the plan here? And we're seeing the effects. It's having on the economy already. It's oh, longer. without a doubt.
0: Yeah, all those all those indicators are showing it. So one of the questions that uh, we get a lot from our listeners and from our readers is, what are the Democrats afraid of? What are they trying to do the economy? What do they hope will happen to the economy? Or do they have some fear that they've got a short window to get whatever they're going to get done because they're about to get thrown out?
2: I think it feels like that. They're trying to, to, to push the problem Uh, away. They're trying to kick the can further down the road and have been for a while now, but we're starting already to see the effects of this stuff on on the economy, right? We already have 30-year record high inflation on the back of aggressive pandemic stimulus over the last couple of years. We have a stock market that's historically overvalued, technically the second highest in history. And on the other hand, we've got this $30 trillion of national debt that, for me, is is the big issue. And, and this is where the questions come. Look, we've created a mountain of debt that the nation simply cannot climb anymore, right? Yeah. No one, I think, out there believes that the U.S. Can, can traditionally pay back $30 trillion, right? It's one and a half years of total GDP. It's simply insane. But at the same time, we can't just default outright, right? So what concerns me is the Dems today are positioning the nation for a stealth default. In other words, playing down inflation surges, but at the same time lining up another three and a half trillion dollars in brand new spending, which you and I and everybody knows will increase inflation. Now, thinking about the why, what could be the purpose, for me, it ties to some degree into the debt. Look, inflation is bad for everyone here in the United States, but not necessarily the government, particularly when you factor in this massive debt issue. Think about it like this, right? The after-inflation yield on a 10-year Treasury today is negative 0.92%. What that means in simple terms, for every single day that passes, the government owes less on that mountain of debt. So to put it very simply, if we had a mortgage that was at a negative interest rate, we wouldn't be in a hurry to pay it off. Right. Simply put, price inflation, debt deflation. Right. And we've seen this movie before. Venezuela, Argentina, who are now dealing with 50 percent annual inflation. These disasters there resulted from the same thing. Right. It was persistent attempts to revive the economy with massive government spending, low interest rates. Here's the thing. Using high inflation to burn up debt. It can work. But it's kind of like using a flamethrower to cook a hamburger, yeah. right? It's hard <laughs> exactly. to control, it's unpredictable, and you can burn your house down. It's dangerous policy, here, John, it, it is.
0: Yeah, no, it, it is, and everyone I've been talking to in the last three, four weeks are, are just scratching their heads, saying none of the actions that are occurring right now make any sense whatsoever. So you're sitting there, you, you maybe you're 10 years from retirement, and you're thinking, how do I protect my retirement, how do I protect my investments, you know, could the Market suddenly pop in a second because there's a bubble and or the market gets scared by what you know seems to be a crisis. So where do smart people put their money when an impending crisis is on that horizon?
2: Look, it, you know, the smart money right now is moving into metals. And when we talk about smart money, let's look at what governments are doing. Right. Look, inflation, dollar inflation, rather, isn't just a problem for you and I, right? Every central bank in the world is holding dollars. So it's a global problem when we see significant devaluation. So what are these countries that are holding dollars? What are they doing today to hedge it? Look at China, right? They're seeing a major collapse in real estate, food shortages, buying up gold massively, up over 32% over the last year. India, same thing, inflation surges, gold buying up 58% year on year. We can learn from these nations, right? These are nations that have recent memory of economic crisis, civil unrest, Commodities tend to retain their value regardless of who's calling the shots, right? As commodities, both gold and silver, tend to pace inflation at the very least. They are a very useful vehicle to weather this storm, certainly until at least some sanity and rationality returns to Washington.
0: Yeah, it's such an important thing that we have a great opportunity. We work with Birch Gold Group, and we've got a special offer that we always offer folks. I always like to mention it. If you go to birchgold.com slash justnews, let me give that again, birchgold, B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash justnews, there's a booklet where you can learn how to get into the gold and precious metals market, how to possibly take your 401k or your IRAs and put them into a gold market backed ira these are really smart things i didn't know they existed for retirements until i got to meet philip and the team but this is an important thing to go check out folks i did it's an amazing part of the law that i didn't know existed and it can be very valuable for you as we head into a very uncertain economic time philip i always value your time i know you get real busy i want to ask you a question every indicator yep. you asked us to watch for over the last six months, they've come to pass. Just like you said, we're in this period, we're heading into a holiday season where there's talk of shortages. The Fed is talking about for the first time, ending maybe some of the support in the marketplace that Congress is going to dump yep. maybe two, three trillion more spending, maybe four or five trillion. What are the things you're looking for and that we should be looking for over the next six to eight weeks that are warning signs or indicators of where we're headed?
2: Look, obviously the big one is this massive budget. It it appears it's going to get forced through. The Dems have their hearts set on it. How they do it, I don't know when that happens. Inflation is going to escalate dramatically. It has to happen. So for me, that's the stuff we need to be watching. Let's see these spending bills. If they start to go through, people need to seriously start thinking about how to weather these storms. The stock market has historically been a very useful vehicle to weather inflation. The problem today is we have a very big bubble there. So Looking at options that have value and are conducive for this climate, that's key. But watch this spending, it's going to have a dramatic effect on everybody here in the
0: United States. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. One of my good friends, Lisa Daftar, great international journalist, noted today that China was telling its masses, its population, store up on lots of food over the next six months, be prepared for crisis. When China's saying that to its folks, you know that we're heading into really, really uncertain times. Philip, I can't thank you enough. You bring so much value and you bring so much perspective every month. I look forward to this interview every month and, and I can't wait to have you on next month, although it's getting more scary to have these conversations. So thank you so much. Thank you. The honor is always mine. Thank you, John. Take care. All righty, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for a day. Remember, birchgold.com slash Just News. Check out that booklet. It is an amazing piece of advice. Well worth your time. We'll be right back. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great, House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait, go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. All right, folks, that wraps it up. Uh, I hope you have a great weekend. Now, as you go into the weekend, I have one request I want to make. We're just a few days away from Veterans Day. One of my favorite holidays. Honoring the fighting men and women who have served for generations to keep us free, and safe. And we have a special offer from omahasteaks.com. Go to omahasteaks.com, put just news into the search bar. There's a very special package. You're going to get 50% off the cost. I'm sending it to my one of and close in my life, and I'd like other people to do the same thing buy the package. It's a great discount and send it to a veteran that's in your life, a loved one, a colleague at work, a relative, a friend, and say thank you for serving. This gift, which by the way, will give you several incredible meals, uh, bacon wrapped filet mignon and pork chops and just amazing food. Oh, filet mignon burgers. If you haven't had a filet mignon burger, you haven't lived. All of that's in the package. And I want to see if we can get a thousand people to go And do this. It's going to have three benefits. One, you're going to feel good about yourself. You did something good to thank the fighting men and women of our extraordinary country. Two, you're going to put a smile on the face of one of those veterans. You can do something for them. They're they're going to feel good and appreciate it. Something we sometimes forget to do. Three, you're supporting Omaha Stakes, which supports our reporting here at Just the News and at John Solomon Reports. That is a triple win. I'm doing it. I hope you match me and you do it because that's what we want to accomplish. We want to get a 1,000 veterans to have on their door stoop on Veterans Day a big, giant pile of stakes to say... Thank you from our good friends at Omaha Steaks, from Just the News, from John Solomon Reports. Go do it this weekend. Put a smile on the face of one of our many millions of great veterans. I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. Let's go have some fun. All right, folks, that wraps it up for the weekend. God bless you. Have a great weekend. God bless this extraordinary country, the United States. He always has. And he's going to continue to do it even as we head into these difficult times in the near future. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from, you know, Just the News. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Text just news to 98, 98, 98 right now. History, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the US Constitution. Did you study these things in school? Probably not. Or even if you did, like I did, maybe it's time for a refresher. Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it as America.